everybody. Welcome to Stock Bites for Sunday, June 12th. Today, we're going to be joined by Trey from Dubai, and we've got a great show for you. We're going over NEO, Tesla, SPAC, SPAQ, Amazon, and Apple. We're trading vacation stories about uh, our trip to London. We're going to preview a couple of interviews that we're trying to line up, and I wanted to say thank you to everybody for the very positive feedback that we've gotten from our interview with Dr. Tony Olave on Thursday about the coronavirus. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there, and it was great to hear straight from the horse's mouth what's actually happening. So hope you guys enjoy the show, stockbitespodcast at gmail.com, and now you can follow us on Twitter, at BitesStock. Let's get it! What's up, dude? Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning in Texas. Good good evening in Dubai. I'm George. And I'm Trey. We have another Robinhood recap for you this week. We're going to take a look at the top five most added stocks on Robinhood. Break down why they're popular and whether or not we think these are good investments. Just as a quick recap for the week, the top five stocks in order. NIO, NIO, Tesla, SPAC, Spartan Acquisition Company, Amazon, and Apple. So that was NIO, Tesla, SPAC, Amazon, and Apple in order. Coming in pretty close to number six was Microsoft. And I think since we've started doing this, I'm, I'm seeing a nice trend in larger companies. And I think you've mentioned fractional shares a couple of times being the reason for this. But I like to see more quality, large companies making up these these top five lists. Trey, we had a, a fun week. Um, you know, what, how did how did the week, I guess, before we dive into these five, how did your week go investing? Uh, it did well. It did well. Um, I, you know, when I started doing this, like many, many of the recreational traders, it was during the lockdown. And during the lockdown, I was purchasing uh, long-term stocks, expensive $30 to $60 share stocks, sometimes up in the hundreds, um, and made a great profit off of it, about 15%. Um, and then I went from investing to trading, to gambling, essentially, with uh, very cheap stocks, uh, penny stocks, as they're called, which are uh, high high volatility but um, high return. If you can find the right ones, um, and they you know they jump fifty cents, it can make you quite a payday. Um, and I've had some good opportunities with them and some bad opportunities with them. But uh, for the week, I did okay. Um, I uh, I'm still hanging out with Paytop Pharmaceuticals. Um, I did take a little bit out when it went back up and uh, spread it around with some other other plays, but they are definitely, I'm definitely having to hover over my portfolio instead of being able to drop, you know, $60 in a Peloton share and then leaving it alone and checking in on it a month. Um, with penny stocks, you have to be up to date on it all the time. What's the news? When are they releasing news? What's the hype? What is it doing? Um, because they're so volatile. So I had a volatile week but I ended in the green. Not a whole lot. I'm excited for next week. Knock on wood, there should be some good stuff coming my way. Yeah, and how they, about you? Oh, oh, go ahead. An interesting week for me. I wanted to, I, I, I'm glad you brought up KTOV and maybe we can just quickly divert. How do you make, 
you know, how do you find these penny stocks that you're looking at? What do you like to see? Like, what gets you to to press the buy button on something like a KTOB or a workhorse or? Uh, I'm, you know, the, and rule number one is don't, uh, trade on emotion and I'm an emotional guy. Uh, so you start to see these things start to come up, um, on the Reddit pages. You see it start to come up on Twitter feeds of people that you follow who have made good calls in the past. Um, they will acknowledge that these things are out there. They will do their own personal deep dives. And then it's your responsibility to go and, uh, continue to do your own research. Um, so it's, it's like, it's like somebody you trust or like somebody that, um, can show you their portfolio and, a, you know, have 90% success rate say, Hey, here's what I have found. Um, I'm bringing this to light. Now you do your own research. Um, so I, I tend to start there. Um, I, there's a handful of people that I truly trust, or I really like what they have to say. Um, and there's no, there's no bullshitting anything. They're just, they, they truly do their homework. And it's my responsibility to go do my own homework. Um, and so that's how I started. Um, Stan the Trading Man got into um, KTOV. Um, Chris Randown got into KTOV. And then I did my own research, looked up the pharmaceutical um, um, game plan, their their calendar, and the things that they've got coming out, and liked it myself. And uh, that's, what, that's what makes me pull the trigger. It starts with emotion, starts with seeing people have hype about it, seeing that it's trending and then doing my own additional homework. Do you have risk or return parameters when you buy into something? That's what I am working on. I'm working on going, okay, when this stock hits this price, I'm selling it. And every time a stock has hit that price, I've gone, well, maybe it can go a little more. Maybe just another thousand dollars in the green will be successful. And it goes so quickly. Um, I learned that with IDEX, you know, I was up, I was up quite a lot, um, over doubled the money and then watched it go down and bought the dips thinking it was going to continue to go up. Uh, and it didn't. Um, and so I, am trying to train myself to set a game plan before it happens. Um, I'd like to see a 33% return is the new game. And, but what I have to do is stick to that game plan. Because after I hit that 33%, I go, well, maybe it'll hit 45. Maybe it'll hit 50%. And I got to decide if I'm in it for the short term and for the short gains, or is this a long term where I will will ride the waves. And when it dips, I'll buy the dip. And when it gains, I'll pull a little bit of the gains, but not all the gains. I tend to be an all or nothing. Um, when, when something takes off, I pull it all out at once. Um, when something drops, I tend to either, you know, slowly take out some of my debt or try to buy more into it. But um, 33% is going to be my number and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on my discipline to keep it there. So do you use trailing stop losses, stop losses, stop limits at all? So for my job, I teach indoor cycling. And for my job, I have to have my phone on airplane mode. I can't, I, you know, I can't have the stock prices next to me in class. Um, and you know, one time KTOV was dropping and it was, you know, headed towards the seventies. And I go, do I set a stop loss before class starts so that if it hits this, I don't have to be around my phone to do that. But the other thing is, is that these stocks are volatile. You must ride the roller coaster. And there's the saying that you don't, um, 
you don't take a loss until you sell. Uh, so I'm not a fan of stop loss. Um, if you know, if you, it's a, it's a loss when you sell it and I'm, I'm willing to ride the roller coaster on my picks because I've done my homework and I believe in the week to two week terms that hype will go and come and go, but the facts of a company will not. And if you believe in something, you got to hold on to it until it, until you hit that profit margin. So no, I don't do the short term. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt you there. I'm not doing the, yeah. the short term trading, but I've read a couple of things recently about managing risk. And when you enter into these positions, let's just say that you Help have a, a stock trading at a buck and your upside that you want to capture is 33%. You can come in and, you know, you buy the stock at a dollar, you set a stop limit at a dollar 33. So it'll automatically execute if it hits your price target. And then you can come in and set a stop loss at 90 cents or something like that, right? So you have 10% downside with 33% upside. You have a positive skew, I guess, toward you know the potential return. Your, your risk-reward ratio is positively skewed. And I, I like the idea of having, like entering into a position going, all right, if, if, if it sells off 10%, if it sells off to 90 cents, I'm out of here. You can afford to lose it almost. It's like saying, it's like saying, uh, I'm going to leave the poker table. At, you know, I'm I'm sitting down at the blackjack table with a thousand dollars worth of chips, um, but you know, I lose 250, and instead of watching me slowly lose the rest of it, I might go take the rest of that money and go play roulette or go somewhere else or right. go reinvest it elsewhere. That's a really smart. What you just said is a really smart thing. Is uh, what am I willing to lose? set a stop loss there. What am I looking for to get out of this and set your um, pull out after gains there? But I'm emotional. It changes. <laughs> when it drops, I go, I don't want to lose. I want to buy the gains. I want to invest more. So I, you know, I hold cash for situations like that. But uh, it's definitely finding, finding the right stocks to be emotionally connected to, especially with penny stocks. Yeah. Don't get emotionally connected. Yes. I'm learning. Uh, and I'm an emotional guy. I, I was curious to see, you know, we, we've been doing this four weeks now and just how the, some of the stocks that we've talked about have stacked up over the last four weeks. And I, I put together some performance and basically like on the day that we talk about it and we do these on a Sunday. So what was the closing price on the Friday previous and what, where is it now? What, what is that performance look like? And we, out of 10 stocks, IDEX, you know, ACTT, which is a SPAC, uh, DLOC, Nicola, Vaxart, KTOB, Workhorse, Gap, and Plug. I'm just going to, this is, uh, I think, pretty eye-opening. Uh, IDEX, down 54% since we talked about it. ACTT, down 30% since we talked about it. DLOC, down 80% since we talked about it. Nicola, down 28% since we talked about it. Vaxart. Down 1%. KTOB down 29%. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Workhorse, Gap, and Plug, which are up 53, 15, and 2% respectively. So a lot more losing money. Peloton, Lululemon, those are, those are doing well. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and, that, and also, the reason we talk about those things is because they, are the, um, they make the list of most added by Robinhood, which just goes to show us crazy folk out there uh, thinking we know what we're doing, don't. And you just never know what a stock is going to do. 
buying the hype and you're getting left with the bag after it. Yeah. You, and that's, yeah. and that's where the research comes in of like, not only of the company, but you look at the lines prior, you look at what the stock has done in the last three months, the last year, are you buying the stock when it's on its way up? Are you buying it stock when it's like, you know, at its highest 52 week margin? Are you buying it after, you know, a public offering and people have panicked, but the spreadsheet is good on a company. And so it's headed, it's going to be headed back up. It's when you get on the roller coaster, you got to pay attention to as well. Um, so even though Ketov is down, um, since we talked about Ketov, it is down 29%. Wow. When do we talk about it? June 28th. That's two weeks ago. Uh, for the month, it's up 73%. And for the week, it's down 6%. So you just got to find when you get on the roller coaster. And when it dropped, you know, it was down 9% on July 7. Do you buy more at 78? Because now it's back up to 82. Um, do you bring down that, that average per share average so that when it comes to this week, um, you know, the news is supposed to hit. The merger is supposed to happen. You're hitting it on the head. Most of this and most of what we've talked about have been, I think, short-term trades for people. And they're getting in on some hype. You know, for KTOV, it was a potential collaboration with Merck that never materialized. They still haven't announced who they're going to partner with uh, for this, this new cancer drug. But you know, understanding what you're investing in. We, and we talked about it last week, you know, when, when it comes nut crunching time, it's a lot easier to hold on to a position if you know what the company is and does. And a couple of weeks ago, when I introduced Workhorse to you, for example, uh, and I explained what they did and you're like, oh yeah, that's great. I didn't even know that. Right. And so getting in just based on price performance and one or two tweets, you're bound to lose money. Right. Because you're going to get in on the on the high end. The smart money is going to pull out, let you bag hold for a while. Once the stock comes back down, they'll buy back in. That sort of thing. So understand what you own. And then also, it really, I'm asking you these questions about how do you trade? Because I think that it helps to visualize or either put it on paper or just to have a concept in your mind of what type of trader you are and picking a lane. Either you're going to be a day trader a swing trader or a long-term hold. And, and, and maybe you can be one or a combination of a couple of those, you know, if you kind of split your portfolio into, into different factions. But getting when you place the trade, is this a, am I buying and holding this? Am I just looking to make a quick buck? And like having that understanding of why you're getting in helps, helps set expectations for you. So getting to the, uh, the meat of the show here, NIO, NEO, was the number one added stock last week. 89,000 Robinhood users added it. It was up 59.7% over the last five trading days, with most of that coming Monday through Wednesday. It's up over 1,000% from its 52-week low, which was in the, the $1 range. They design, jointly manufacture, and sell electric vehicles in China. Trade, you play it? I didn't play it. Uh, this is one that has a lot of hype around it, again, on uh, the Twitters and the Reddit pages. Um, and so much so, I felt like the roller coaster had already left, left the station. And uh, this is going to be a volatile one. 
And uh, I, my bag is full on, on volatile stocks right now. I, I am excited to see it. I'm excited for the people that I follow that are in on it. But as far as Chinese stocks and electric vehicles, and I've, you know, I've got a, I got a confession for you. I'm still bag holding on IDEX. Yeah, me too. So uh, we, you know, we're gonna ride. I'm, I'm already on my Chinese electric vehicle roller coaster, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm wishing, I'm wishing some, uh, wishing some good luck to those that are, that are playing it. It's got a lot of buzz going on, a lot of talk. So it's got, you know, the potential on the hype side of things is good. But with all due respect to China, love China. I'm currently learning Mandarin Chinese. I got five-year goals to live in China. Um, these stocks just will go up, down, left, right, backwards, forwards. There was a hologram company that was up 2,000%. It's now $20 a share in one day it went up. I'll find that ticker by the end of But like, you just don't know where these things are going. And uh, you can be left bag holding in literally seconds. I've had it happen to me with CJJD. Um, and it just, it, the news will break and it'll go up and then it will drop. And it, it's with all due respect to NIO that very, very much can happen here as well. It's a very dangerous one. It's another play on the electric vehicle phase or craze, excuse me. It is hot. And three of the stocks that we're going to talk about today are in this, uh, NIO now sports a $17 billion market cap. That's about two thirds of Ford. Ford's market cap's at $24 billion. And just for, uh, for reference here, in 2019, Ford sold 2.4 million vehicles. They had $150 billion in revenue. In the first quarter of this year, NEO sold 10,331 vehicles. They, they set a company record, but... You know, if you extrapolate, that's 40,000 vehicles in a year compared to 2.4 million vehicles for Ford last year. They, and, and here's, here's something that I, I really don't like about this company. They have a negative gross margin, meaning every time they sell a car, it costs them money to do it. Wow. Wow. So the more cars they sell, the more money they lose. That doesn't sound great, right? They have three electric vehicle models. Um, they're all SUV or like not, not a, not like a big Ford expedition, but similar to the, the, uh, the Tesla SUV, right? Where it's like, it's a five seater car. The Chinese government has extended their electric vehicle subsidy program through the end of this year, but I don't think Neo's models qualify. They're up in like the $60,000 range. They're too expensive. Uh, and then in this second quarter, they also raised about $500 million uh, in, let's see here, they sold 24% of their business in exchange for $500 million. Here's something I, I don't like, uh, aside from the fact that this is a Chinese electric vehicle company that we've gotten burned <laughs> on, right, with IDEX. They have over a billion shares outstanding, and they've only been around for like three or four years. That's insane. Tesla has 181 million shares outstanding. You're losing money. The more you sell, the more money you lose. You're in. You're on the other side of the world, um, and you know you're just you're exposed to so many different risks with this company. I think that, look, you know, good luck. I'm staying away. 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of weeks when we we give our little recap, I, I like doing this where we can talk about the things that we've spoken about in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if this is big time negative. They're up a thousand percent since their 52 week low. It's just, it doesn't make any sense, but they are in this electric vehicle craze. And, you know, I don't know why we didn't put two and two together, Trey. Electric vehicles are hot. We talked about it the last couple of weeks with companies like Nikola and Workhorse. Why didn't we buy Tesla? They're the biggest and the best electric vehicle maker in the world. Why wouldn't they benefit from this electric vehicle craze? 68,000 Robinhood users bought them last week. Tesla was up 28% on the week, 51% on the month. Closed the week at $1,544 a share. Trey, do you have any exposure to Tesla? Um, I hopped in for fractional share for a couple of weeks um, and, and made a little bit off of it, not a whole lot. I think I've always just thought I've missed the boat on Tesla. I remember when Tesla was $200 a share and I couldn't afford groceries for the week. So I wasn't buying shares. And then I remember when Tesla hit 400, it's like, okay, well, you know, I, I've missed the boat again. Got to come down uh, sometime. Just I'll just wait for the day. Got to come down. Right. And even Elon Musk, you know, treated my, my company's shares are too high at like what, 800, 900. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's dancing right around 1500, something crazy. You and I somewhat disagree on this. I really think there is another crash coming. And I think if you say it enough, eventually you're going to be right on things like that. But um, with cases rising, um, uncertainty with the elections and things coming up, there's a lot going on that could very much make this market crack. Um, and you better believe I will be going all in on Tesla and Apple and Amazon. That's exactly what we should have done on March 15th uh, when the when this crash started. Just just buy the safety safety picks, um, the index fund favorites, the ETFs that you know tag tie Fang together. Um, always a safe bet. And you're absolutely right. We we've been talking about electric vehicles. Electric vehicles. I think I just always thought we'd already missed the boat. And the boat just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And now it's a yacht. It's just still on the dock because it's a yacht. It just gets bigger and bigger. And, and and like as soon as I buy into it, I'm sure that's when something will drop, is what I keep telling myself. Is that I can't buy it at its absolute high. And its absolute high goes up by another 25%. And it's just crazy. I am now of the opinion, and I I've and I've learned this lesson with a lot of pain and and missed gains. If you have shares of Amazon, let's see, Amazon, Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Tesla, Netflix, if you're if you hold these shares, you never sell them. Never, ever, ever, ever. These are the companies that are leading today's market, but they're also incredibly well positioned to lead for the next 10, 15 years. And uh, just looking at their at Tesla's Q1 financials, they ended the quarter with 8.1 billion cash uh, in cash on hand. They have more than enough liquidity. I've been pleasantly surprised at three, three uh, to see three straight quarters of positive net income. It looks like like they've finally uh, been able to turn the switch on and become a profitable company consistently. They have over a 25% profit margin on their cars. Take that and compare it to Neo. Neo has a negative 12% margin on their cars. Um, and plus, and here's what I here's why I'll make the case that 1500 is not overvalued. 
In the first quarter of this year, they had $900 million in other revenue. Subscription services for autonomous driving and maybe it's not quote unquote autonomous driving, whatever. But they, they have a, like Peloton has an app and you know you have to get a subscription service. Tesla has that now for their cars. They have the charging stations. Tesla is becoming similar to Apple, similar to you know a, a Netflix, one of these recurring revenue, a Peloton, one of these recurring revenue beasts. They have over 900,000 robots on the road collecting data for them. They have such a, a head start in terms of uh, autonomous vehicle uh, development, uh, all the, the operating systems that go behind it. And that $900 million in other revenue, I just was looking at their website and a couple of things that stood out to me. They have a solar division, right? You can, it, it used to be solar panels. Now they have something called the V3 solar roof. It's a whole roof that they'll come in and put on your house. Estimated cost savings over 25 years, $45,000. They have a power wall, basically a battery that they smack on your wall. If you pair that with your electric roof, you don't. You can store your own power. You could sell it to other people. You could sell it back to the power company. You can use it. You're completely off the grid. They have a, a mega pack, which is basically like commercial iteration of this power wall. They're already powering the Hornsdale Power Reserve in South Australia. It's the largest battery in the world. They recently made a bid to power the entire United Kingdom. And you know, solar, these alternative sources of energy have been and will continue to be a massive area of investment. And I think Tesla has such a huge advantage on other companies in this area. They're, what are they, in September, there's going to be something called a battery day where they're going to reveal a million mile battery. They're crushing it. And I think based on those, you know, they're transforming the, into a kind of a subscription service. They have a gigafactory in Berlin about to come online. They're about to open one in, I think, maybe Texas or Tulsa. You know, all things are just, are just, they're coming up roses for this guy. And I think on that, I want to ask you about this. Ford is the number one held stock on Robinhood. It's close to a million users. And it's down to like six bucks a share. As a electric vehicle play, I don't think this one has gotten looked at yet. In, in 2021, Ford's going to, at the end of this year, Ford is going to release the 2021 electric Mustang MSRP starting at 44K. You're going to have access to 13,000 charging stations across the country. They're going to release an electric Ford F-150, which is the best-selling car in the country. Later this year, they're bringing back the Ford Bronco. According to Google, it's the most anticipated car release of the year. Uh, they have the most searches on Google. And in 2018, they started an $11 billion restructuring plan where their, their goal by the end of 2022 is to have 40 either fully electric or hybrid vehicles in their product line. Ford's trading at six bucks a share. It's down 40% over the last year. You know, I, I came to you with that. Why didn't we buy Tesla? What, what is stopping? What, poke some holes in my theory about Ford here that this is... So they have everything lined up to react to the changing market. And that's what they're doing, like you said, with the new cars. I was one of the people that Googled the Ford Bronco after hearing about it on NPR about six months ago. Um, and yeah, they are ahead in the direction of electric cars. So they're they're catching the wave. 
And I don't know. I don't know why Ford isn't reacting. And maybe it's just because the lineup isn't as um, as hot as Tesla. Maybe it's because they don't have Elon Musk, um, you know, tweeting all the time. Um, I, maybe it's just purely hype. That is, um, you know, Ford isn't hot. Ford's not, you know, posting on the internet. Ford's not dropping cool commercials. They're not changing the world. Oh, dude. Um, when you th- Ford commercials are awesome. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I haven't seen an American commercial in yeah, a year and a half. You're just in so the wrong market a, for that. That's a fair point. Uh, but I, yeah, I true. To be honest, I don't know. I don't know why this is running around six dollars a share when Tesla is a thousand five hundred. I'm, I'm going to do a little more digging. I really like the idea of getting into Ford right now. I think over the next three years, it's one of those that you can buy and put away and come back in three years and. It, I'd be surprised if it hasn't doubled. You know, thirteen dollars a share isn't a big ask for Ford. It's at six, six dollars a share, and yeah, you're it's right. Yeah. Getting up to thirteen would be like, you know, just a retracement to three or four years ago. They've had a really tough first two years, and in part or first two quarters of this year with the coronavirus. Part of their, you know, yes, they are huge and they have all the plants and all the employees. But that means they have a ton of fixed costs. So when sales decrease marginally, fixed costs can eat you up quickly. They're not variable costs. You can't, all right, sales are going down. We're just going to, we're going to lower our cost. We can just turn this switch on. No, this is money that has to come out of the door regardless. So the first two quarters of the year, I think sales are down somewhere in the neighborhood of 10% year over year. You know, they still almost sold a million cars in the first two quarters of the year. And again, they, they have these promising product launches, they're aware that they need to be, uh, you know, to, to become, to compete with Tesla. Tesla is leading the space right now. Moving on, third most added stock of the week, Spartan Energy Acquisition Corp, SPAQ, 41,000 Robinhood users added last week. And what's amazing, Trey, only 360 Robinhood users held it the preceding week. 41,000 up from 360. Uh, SPAQ ended the week up 53.92%, closing at $16.70 per share. This is a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company. They're a blank check company. They come to market with the only intent to reverse merge with a private company and bring them public. See Tesla, or excuse me, see Nikola, see DraftKings. You know, this is something that we've talked about before. The, the reason for the hype this week was Thursday, it came out that SPAQ is the leader to take this electric vehicle upstart named Fisker public. Trey, did you play it? I have not played it. Uh, I'm going, my, my spec plays um, haven't hit the radar yet. I'm looking at Flying Eagle Acquisition Club, which is the same group that brought DraftKings public. Um, Are you in that? Quite a bit. I am. I, I use it like a bank account. Dude, yes, uh, me too. It's like yeah, 2% so, a week, 1.5% a week. Right. And if I, have to make, if, I have to make, if I have to make withdrawals on something you know, that, um, that I need to play for the week, uh, the first thing I'll do is I'll go to the 50 bucks I've made over the week off of, uh, of Flying Eagle Acquisition, F-E-A-C. Yeah. Um, I'll take Buy from there and put it in, and then I'll, and I'll go put it back. Uh, exactly. Uh, so um, I th- I like these guys. They did fa- they did uh, DraftKings. I got in on that just before DraftKings went public. Um, 
And so that's mine, but I love SPAC plays. I think these are some of the safest. You can really, uh, you can really easily see a return. That's one that uh, if you get in before the hype happens and then they announce something, everyone will come chasing. And that's when you can make the choice on whether you want to get out with a, uh, with a, you know, 15, 20% profit um, or hold on until they go public and hope that that continues to go up. So I think these are smart to find before they get hot. Um, I love that this one is getting hot and, you know, it could be the next Nikola, which as soon as it, you know, as soon as they make their IPO, um, they or change their ticker to become, you know, the public company, um, it, it could take off. So I, I, you know, I'm having a, my question to you was, what are the downside of SPAC plays? I mean, where's the, where's the risk? I'm seeing a lot of reward where, you know, for somewhere around $12 a share, you can get on a new SPAC play and I haven't seen any go down. I think I just, I don't understand where the risk is in SPAC plays. All right. So ACTT uh, came out and announced they're trading around 10, 1050 a share. And uh, when we talked about them on June 23rd, they're trading at 1079 a share. They announced that they're merging with the company, two companies, and they're, the combined organization is going to be called Whole Earth Brands. ACT uh, on Friday closed at $7.60 a share. So the risk, to get to your question, the risk is that the company that they identify, the SPAC identifies to merge with, doesn't live up to investors' expectations. Before they announce, so when the, when the SPAC comes public, and, and we're talking about FEAC, uh, they have not announced a merger target yet. That's when it's relatively safe, right? They come to market and you know, let's just say for round numbers sake, it's a $500 million. They raise 500 million bucks. They issue five. So would that be uh, 50 million shares at 10 bucks a share? They raise 500 million bucks. They have to keep all that money in a trust. They have two years in order to identify a target and take them public. And if they don't, then the, the money that's in the trust is returned to the shareholders. That's what you're talking about. That's the safety part of it. Once they identify a target, that's where they start trading more like regular stocks. And if the market doesn't like the target or doesn't like the company that they're, they're going to be spitting out on the other end, then, then they will sell off. So if I get in on a Flying Equal Acquisition Club uh, company, corporation, hoorah, cuckoo-cuckoo-cuckoo, uh, and I rumors start flying around, uh, you know, let's say, let's say the date that they announce is Q4 December. Um, and there's, there's rumors going around that it's FanDuel and there's rumors going around that it's UFC. Uh, and people start jumping in a couple weeks, couple days before they make an announcement. What keeps me, so if I'm in at $10 now, um, what keeps me from just pulling out at $15 a share, $16 a share before they make the announcement? And just taking that money. Absolutely nothing. That's yeah. way over your thirty-three percent price target. If as anything well. is, if if any spac is ten dollars, uh, and you're going to get that ten dollars back if they don't, um, and I I don't think they can go under ten dollars, correct? Before they, they make, typically don't because uh, they have that floor of all the cash right. sitting in the trust. So I just, it's yeah, I just don't. I'm having a hard time seeing the risk. Uh, you know, it's like get get in on something that has a good history and success in the past, finding good companies, 
if it's around ten dollars, ten fifty, eleven dollars, the risk is extremely low. Um, and if you're hesitant about who you think they're going to bring to market, or just be the fir- very first person to find out what that company is, if you're happy with it, hold. If you're not, pull out of it before everyone else figures it out. Um, I, I, you know, I'm having a, it's boring. That's my problem with it. I'm become such an emotional. I want, I want things to go up and down super fast. And like, I want the emotion behind it. I want to feel panic when I go to bed at night about what's going to happen the next day. I enjoy that. I enjoy the high off of it. Um, but you know, and that's, you know, I think that's the same reason, like I don't do ETFs anymore or like, you know, my Roth IRA can do all that crap for me when I turn, you know, 59 and a half. I can have all that waiting for me, but they, the old folk fund. Um, but for now, I want something that's going to dance. I want something that's like the news is coming tomorrow. Um, and I just don't see that in SPAC plays. But man, I just don't see a safer bet. Um, you know, I'd rather have a bank account and a SPAC play than uh, my Chase Bank with a minimal interest in a savings account. Um, Only difference I guess, is in two years, your Chase Bank account is still going to be your Chase Bank account. Your SPAC play... Maybe worth more, maybe worth less. So last week's run-up in SPAQ, 54% rounding, is all based on rumors and hype. There's no official announcement yet that they're taking this Fisker company public. Fisker, by the way, not selling cars yet. They're scheduled to start selling vehicles in 2022. They claim that they've made the world's quote-unquote greenest car. And Trey, let me read you this. This is from their website. The car has a vegan interior. How does that make you feel? (laughs) Uh, Like it's the future. Like it's the same reason I'm invested in Beyond Meat. That's the way we're going. Good for them. Vegan vegan cars. So the the, uh, this company, Fisker Automotive, obviously it's a private company. It's run by this guy named Henrik Fisker, and I've done a little digging on him. He's been in the automotive industry for basically 30 years, since 1989. He's worked for Ford, BMW, Aston Martin. He's been a a board member. He's been a designer. Uh, A couple of years ago, he partnered with another company to design like a $70 million super yacht, and he started this electric vehicle company Fisker Automotive, right? So he's very wealthy. He's very experienced, but I don't know anything about him. He does have a very pretentious website, henrikfisker.org. That is pretty amusing to look at. It's him like in a, in a white suit, you know, looking at you super serious. And here's all about me, but I don't know anything about this company. Look, they, they don't have a vehicle uh, in production. This SPAQ, this is just rumors. I'd say stay away. You know, if you're already in on a company like Nicola, if you're already in on Plug, if you're already in on Workhorse, you're probably overexposed to the electric vehicle space anyway. And that's that's all this is. This is an, another one of those. And, you know, it's two or three years away. You know, I, I don't know. I can't really find anything that makes me go, I need to buy this. Sell it. Sell it before the hype. I mean, sell it before the, I mean, sell it once people get super excited about it. Something I've learned with these like day trades is like sell on that the news is coming. People jump in on the news is coming and pull out before it happens. And, you know, 60% of the time, the, the stock doesn't even react when the news comes out. Um, and these after hour traders, these turd birds, you know, if a stock will go up, you know, 
and after hours where the majority of us can't trade it and they will make profit there and then sell it off when we can't uh, do anything about it. So I, I would say the same thing for SPAC plays. If you're, if you're nervous about what they're, they're connecting with, um, pull out before they actually make the transition. Yeah. To your point here, you know, this SPAQ came to market in October of 2018. 10 right. A share. It's so old. All the way until June 22nd. It was 1040 a share. So over the last year and a half, you had 40 cents, 4% appreciation. Boom. Rumor comes out that they're going to merge. They're going to bring an electric vehicle company to market. It shoots up 50%. Then you sell. So sell it. It's not necessarily like a bank account, but it is something that's going to have relatively you, stable it value. It does. I was literally just about to go like a bank account. It's like a it's like a interest payment. It's like a interest interest return or like a or like a index fund. It's like something that's going to like grow over time with low risk. Um, that's what I, that's how I describe it as an index fund, um, where it's just you know uh, a slow play. It's you know over the last. 10 years it's grown four percent it's super boring but it's you know it's not going to lose you a thousand dollars in a day so that's always an upside and again these they only have two years to come out and identify their merge target so it's not you won't have 10 years to do it but there are websites and resources out there like spacinsider.com uh, if you go to reddit you know the the subreddit spacs s-p-a-c you know there's tons of information about and these are awesome. these SPACs are the new trade. There, there's a ton of them coming to market. There's a lot of information out there. Um, yeah, highly suggest you you look at it. And you know, there's definitely money to be made. In the interest of time, Trey, we're going to round out the week with Amazon and Apple. Forty thousand Robinhood users added Amazon last week. Amazon closed the week at thirty-two hundred a share, up eleven percent. Uh, for Apple, 30,000 Robinhood users added, closed the week at $383 per share, up 5%. Trey, have you heard of these companies? No, they're uh, brand new to me. Are they Chinese? Chinese companies? No, they're not. Look, people. Chinese electric vehicle companies? Buy and hold Amazon and Apple. Never Forever. Sell. I don't care. They're, they're, they're trading at all-time highs. So what? Yeah, duh. In yeah, 10 years, right. these companies are going to be worth more than they are today. In five years, they're sure. going to be worth more than they are today. Definitely. And, you know, unless, again, unless you're one of these people who's sitting in front of a computer all day and just looking at charts and trying to pick a, a better entry point, I don't know what to tell you. You know, you keep waiting for the pullback and it just doesn't, doesn't and hasn't happened. Won't and happen. These two companies are leading the charge. By the way, uh, what do you think about Walmart launching uh, Walmart Plus? What do you think about the rumors of Wayfair being a uh, sex trafficking website? I hadn't, hadn't even heard those rumors. Uh, Wayfair is going to drop like a rock Monday morning. Have a quick Google of Wayfair. So Wayfair is in trouble with a new, uh, new rumor that's a complete mess is that they are, uh, is there will be a, a bookshelf selling for $14,000 on Wayfair and somebody will buy it. Oh. And the name of this bookshelf will be like Sheila and Sheila will be a missing girl from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, and somebody is purchasing these bookshelves for $35,000. Essentially, uh, Wayfair is being accused of being a platform for sex trafficking. 
Uh, and it is, it's crazy. There are videos, there are conspiracy theories on whether it's true or not. There has been insider trading and, uh, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. You might have to do a 10 minute video on that sometime this week. No, thanks. Uh, it's gonna, it's well, it's, it's, a, it's news. Dude, I'll be staying news. away from this. Do you, do you, don't you hold Wayfair? No. I don't, what are they, a furniture company? Yeah, dude, they're a, they're a huge online uh, reseller, retailer. Speaking of commercials, Kelly Clarkson's in their most recent one. This is a big company um, that made a lot of money off of the COVID-19 crisis as well. Um, but it, I'm, I am interested for Monday for these guys, plus their hearts. Uh, hopefully it's not true, but it's, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to feel it. Their stock got down to 24, $27 on March 20th. Today it's at $223. Yes. It's a pretty good COVID rebound. And it might, it might uh, go back to 23 <laughs> by the end of the week. We're going to find out. You should, you should have a, you should have a Google of that. It's, it's making news everywhere. We're going to be on top of these kind of things. As, as unfortunate as the news is, it is a uh, stock news, man. Yeah, I was unaware. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. Let's get to a couple segments here. Bite bets. Last week, you elected to take Lululemon on their acquisition of Mirror. Lululemon was up 3.16% over the week. I took Facebook, selling off over the news of you know, all these advertisers backing out. Facebook ended up 4.99% over the last week. So once again, George wins. I would like to make a disclaimer that uh, Peloton was up 15% this week. I just called it uh, a week early. Yeah. Cough, cough, cough. Yeah. And I'm going to wager, I'm going to dole down a Lulu saying that it, it, uh, I'm a week early again on them as well. But yes, uh, you acknowledgement is due where it is due. And uh, just like our entire childhood, you beat me at that. Good job. So last week we did talk about punishments for you. We have a Twitter account now. It's at Bytes Stock, or I guess if you just type into the bar, Stock Bytes Podcast, but at Bytes Stock. We're taking ideas on punishments for Trey, whether that's like walking around with big chops or some sort of goofy goatee or, or whatever. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Trey, who's your bite bet of the week? That's a good question. I reserve the right to reflect. Have you found yours? I'm going with Square. Uh, this has been a just a, a killer momentum trade over the last couple of months. I know that I'm late to the party here, but Squares was founded by Jack Dorsey, the guy who started Twitter. Uh, they are in the midst of turning into a bank, an online bank, and they also have the most popular, uh, maybe it's not the most popular, Venmo is the most popular cash trade, you know, whatever, online cash sending app. But Square is the fastest, excuse me, the cash app is the fastest growing. I really like this stock. I'm really, I, I want to, uh, I initiated a small position on Friday just because it was down. I think that this stock is going to keep ripping. And I was talking to a, a technical, a chartered market technician who's a buddy of mine. They're looking at a price target of 160 on Square in the next one to three months. So I think from a technical perspective, it looks great from you know, like the environment. COVID's not going anywhere. I don't want to touch cash. Who you know, like 
I read an article that said 80 or a headline, 80% of all US dollar bills have traces of cocaine on them. Yeah. Go figure. So my bite bet of the week, and I'm, I'm going to go up against you with Square, SQ. I'm going to go with Blink, just because I want to keep an eye on it for the week. B-L-N-K. What do they do? So they are they are a hot charging station for electric vehicles. Do, do Teslas get to use them? Not not with not actually connected to Tesla, but um, I think it's plug-in power. Um, blink, blink, they're like stations, they're like little gas stations, but for electric vehicles. So I'm going B-L-N-K. That's my bet. All right, put it on the board. Whatever they say. Next up, next segment here. Sweet tweets. Our tweet of the yeah. week that either made us make money or lose money or think critically. Trey, what do you got? I'm going with, uh, it's a cool guy. His name is uh, John. His ticker or his ticker symbol. His uh, Twitter symbol is at I am John underscore C. And uh, John is a family man. Super nice guy. Uh, has great deep dives that are understandable. Um, he's one of those people that if you reach out to him, he's polite in his responses. He's quick. Um, he's to the point um, and sticks by what he believes and keeps you updated in real time with things that he has found and things that he's invested in and uh, really like the things he's done in the past. And is just a overall nice guy from uh, from what I've watched him interact with other people. He's currently got 5,000, a little over 5,000 followers. So kind of un, not not wildly known, but still uh, has a decent following and uh, just lets you know what he's thinking. And I don't think the guy sleeps because he's uh, he's in the States and um, is is watching the same things I'm watching in the middle of the day here in Dubai. So that's also a nice, nice point that I enjoy is that it's somebody that I can connect with uh, even on my crazy time zone. So give a shout out to him. Was there a specific company or tweet this week that got you going? Um, yeah, he did a uh, NOVN deep dive that was uh, educational. And um, yeah, I just I, just any of his deep dives. He's got he's got plenty of threads there. Have a look at some of his deep dives. Um, really points in the right direction for you to be able to do your own homework and uh, does his own does his own research um, quite clearly. And I really and and connects you to other people, other like-minded people, and people that aren't like-minded um, that have different opinions. And uh, just really nice, really positive. So I like his I like his energy. Now, right, John C. Well done. We need like a, a you know a, a horn or you know some sort of confetti drop. Or bo, bo, yeah. I am John J O H N underscore C. Right. All right, let's. Uh, we've been at it for a while today. Let's wrap it up here with a remember when. Trey and I have known each other forever. We grew up on the same street, and we thought it'd be fun to just take a little time every week and talk about some of the funniest moments that have happened in our lives together. Trey, if you don't mind, I would like to go first this week. Go for it. And two years ago, you and I went to Amsterdam, and I've talked about you know, we gave a story uh, on our first podcast that we did. That was my first trip overseas. My first trip to Europe without my family, without my dad specifically. And part of our <laughs> trip to Amsterdam, we were going to do two or three days there. We we're going to take a train to Belgium, go to Brussels, spend two or three days, and then come back. So we do our two or three days in Amsterdam. 
we have to go get on a train to get to Brussels. And we, first of all, we get, this is the biggest freaking train station I've ever seen in my whole life. And I, you know, I grew up in Houston. We don't take the train. Second of all, everything is in Dutch. I think that's the language that they speak, right? There's yeah. no English anywhere. Not on a sign, not over the loudspeaker. Third of all, you know, if you if you're just looking at a straight line like north to south, you know, Amsterdam is at the very top, Brussels is at the very bottom. That's our train route. Well, turns out when we get there, somebody I think had like jumped onto the train tracks just south of us and gotten killed or run over by a train. So our train was canceled. <laughs> we had to figure out how to get to Brussels. We didn't have a, a hotel in Amsterdam and a hotel in Brussels. We got to get there. How do we get? It was at this point that I had a complete breakdown and turned into a eight-year-old child and just basically sat on my bag and waited for my dad to come rescue me. And thankfully, you have been, you are a world traveler. You live in Dubai. You've been all over the world. You had more experience riding the train. You stepped up in such a huge way. You got us to Brussels. And we, we basically had to take, we had to go east, south, west, and then south again. Like we had to divert that's we had to go right. to this crazy city and sit in some, you know, I have no idea how you were able to get us there. But if you weren't with me, I wouldn't have been able to do it. <laughs> I had a complete, I shut down. And uh, remember we were sitting on the train and, and that Indian couple sat down next to us. Yes. <laughs> and then Good, keep going. this poor Indian husband looks at his wife and just, explodes fuck he says fuck, fuck, fuck. yeah he starts cur- <laughs> fuck 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 they had left their bags in some other city or some other station or whatever but oh my god that was uh you know once we got on like anyway thank you thank you for saving oh. my life that day i appreciate yeah. it absolutely buddy yeah that was i I'll, I'll never forget uh us trying to figure that out and then that guy they must have like left an important bag at the train station in amsterdam i mean after all the hard work of us you know all going to brussels but like it took time it took effort and then just to forget a bag um he did, he did not seem happy bless his heart uh yeah okay in that in that context uh here's one where <laughs> i wasn't on top of my game uh, remember when I, uh, you flew over to London to meet me and I got us uh, 50 yard line Houston Texans versus Jacksonville Jaguars tickets in the UK. We saw them in London at Wembley stadium. Absolutely beautiful. Ton of fun. Had a great time. Uh, you had to go back to the States that night. Um, and I was supposed to stay in London. Um, but we got drunk together and I said, you know what, I'm going to take off. I don't want to see London without you. I'm going to go back to Amsterdam. And so I bought tickets while you packed your bag and we both left that night for the airport and in the Uber on the way to Heathrow airport, I realized that I had booked tickets for Amsterdam at a completely different airport. And at five 30 in the morning, told our Uber driver to pull off to the side of the road. I got out with all my bags and had to figure out how to get to the other airport that I had never even heard of. Didn't even know where it was and, uh, and took off. And uh, I got in the back of this other Uber. I gave you a hug in the back of the Uber. I said, good luck. 
you looked at me and said, no, good luck to you, sir. And uh, I got out at 5.30 in the morning on the side of the road in London uh, and by a miracle made it. I had this other Uber driver pick me up and he goes, look, I've never seen such minimal traffic before. My, my other airport was like an hour and a half away. My flight was supposed to be in two hours. Um, flew through security. My plane was delayed by 30 minutes and I made it to Amsterdam. But do you remember when we were sitting in the back of the cab at 5.30 in the morning and I just got out on the side of the road and that was the last time I've seen you? Yeah. Yeah, that was the last time uh, we had been awake all night drinking. Yep. Yep. Watching football. It, you, you could tell how not right-minded I was. You know, my best friend is about to get out of the cab in the middle of the morning in the middle of nowhere, and he's got a dying phone, and, he's, and he, he might just be dead, you know? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, whatever. He'll be okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> hey. Right. It was probably it was probably me in Amsterdam figuring out trains that you just had faith that I was gonna figure uh, the rest out. And I did, but I don't think I was pretty nervous there too. I was like, wow, am I really gonna pull this off? And uh man, I slept on that flight to Amsterdam. It was like an hour-long flight to Amsterdam, and I was just out like a light. Uh we had a great time. So at the uh the international travels of George and Trey is always a good time. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. We are working on a couple of awesome interviews. We're going to have a chartered market technician. We're trying to get him to come join us in the next couple of weeks. A lot of what we do and a lot of the research that we see is, hey, look at this chart on Twitter. And I don't know, you know, whether or not somebody's pulling my leg. So let's let's go to the source. Let's find out what are you know a couple of easy technical indicators that people like you and I can look at to to see whether or not this person is full of shit or not? Um, you know, and, and I'm really really excited to, to to get him on. I hope you guys enjoyed our interview on Thursday with Dr. Tony Olive. We've gotten some great feedback on the corona the coronavirus interview that we did. Uh, as always, you can reach us at stockbitespodcast at gmail.com. And now you can officially reach us at Bytes Stock on Twitter. Love you, Trey. Take care.